When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com. Dot com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Ah, that's right. Welcome back. And you heard the man. Make sure you are subscribed. If you aren't already, uh, I don't know what you're doing. That's okay, though. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, J-A-K-I-B Media, so you don't miss any of the conversations that we have every damn Night right here on The Fix with our NFL Eagles insider, Johnny Mack, John McMullen. Follow John on Twitter, at JF McMullen, phillyvoice.com, si.com, host of Extending the Play every Saturday morning right here on 1490, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. The number four seed in the crossing broad Eagles bracket. So let's bring... Johnny Mack into the conversation now, and man, is it March Madness for college hoops, John, or is it March Madness for the NFL offseason? Uh, oh, we're still talking about that thing. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Have they kicked it off? Uh, nope. I assume it's it's March Madness, though. So. <laughs> uh, free agency, though, yeah, day two, Eagles quiet, except for the big Marquis Goodwin, <laughs> which was a... Uh, a bit of a strange story. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second, uh, of course. But we got to start with this, man. I mean, uh, unbelievable. Uh, Johnny Airport does a does a nice job, okay? Nothing against John Clark here for what I'm about to say. But he uh, had had this exclusive interview with former head coach Doug Peterson. And, you know, my, my thoughts are, who the heck cares? Who cares? Well, I, now, I, hey, personally, I think it was was a huge get. Now, I understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, John's really good at what he does, but John, you know, works for the team uh, for, you know, the preseason broadcast and all those types of things. So, uh, obviously, uh, you know, I, I mean – Doug hasn't spoken publicly since being fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, to be able to get him first is a big deal. And obviously, John, um, you know, got it for the inaugural edition of his podcast. And, you know, Doug was also there with his son, Josh. It's interesting because Josh is a tight end from Louisiana Monroe. He's going to enter the NFL draft. He's having his pro day, I think, Thursday this week. Uh, so he's scheduled to talk then. People were going to ask Josh about Doug, obviously. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, I, I think there was some newsworthy stuff about that. Not necessarily about 
uh, Carson Wentz and the relationship and all that kind of stuff, which you had to get into, and, and John did. But more so, I mean, Doug basically confirmed that the issue uh, that forced Jeffrey Lurie, not forced, but the reason why Jeffrey Lurie made his decision was was the coaching staff, as we have been reporting. So I, that's pretty newsworthy to, to get that on the record. Because it's, it's been there off the record from Doug since, you know, since Mike Groh was fired, basically. No, listen, just to be clear, I'm, I'm joking when I say who cares. I know it's a huge get, and I know there's going to be a lot for you and I to discuss in that. But I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek because I go on social media, and I see all of these people who didn't care about Doug when he was here and were screaming for him to be fired. And now it's like, oh, now you want to, now you want to hear what he has to say. But I, I, I get it. Like, I understand there's, there's plenty there. And now that he's no longer with the team, I didn't get to listen to the full convo, uh, John. So I want, I want the scoop, but I'm sure there's some interesting things he could have said regarding some of these storylines involving him and Carson Wentz, him in ownership, front office, everything else. So what really stood out um, that, that you heard that, that your, that's your biggest takeaway? Well, that, that was my biggest takeaway, the fact that he essentially – now, he didn't confirm the, the, the details, and the details are that he wanted to promote Press Taylor essentially to offensive coordinator, who is kind of serving in that role anyway, uh, promote uh, Matt Burke to be defensive coordinator after Jim Schwartz walked away. Uh, and that was um, – the reason why Jeffrey Lurie turned, because remember, after the season, Jeffrey Lurie had decided to move forward with Doug Peterson, try to repair the whole situation, run it back. And then when he heard his plans, uh, he didn't like him. In essence, he wanted, same as, you know, it was like, you know, we always talk about run it back in sports. Well, he wanted to run it back from what he did the year before and the year before, as I said, which is where it all started, which is when, if you remember, Greg Peterson um, went to the podium after the loss to Seattle in the playoffs and said Mike Rowe and Carson Walsh would be back. Uh, and Jeffrey Lurie said, uh-uh, you can't do that. you got to fire those guys. So I, I think Doug was upset for two reasons. One, that was his, his desire but two, also he let them hanging out to dry because he he went in, on the record saying those guys would be back, and he had to change his mind. I put that in quotations. Twenty four hours later, because he didn't change his mind, he wanted those guys back. So you you fast forward a year, you have a, a terrible season on the field, four eleven and one, and you have the same issues cropping up where the owners coming in. Uh, and making declarations on the coaching staff. This time, Doug stood his ground and said, nope, this is what I want. This is how it's got to be. And Jeffrey Lurie said, no, nope, it's my team, and you're out of here. Less than three years after Super Bowl 52. Still pretty amazing. Was there anything that we didn't know that came up in this conversation? But, I, I mean, when you get confirmation, it's always good because, let's be honest, I mean, um, you know, you can talk to sources and have, 
you know, and and have source reporting, and you know yeah. how people are. They don't believe you, and <laughs> they think for whatever reason you're making stuff up. And, you know, Doug pretty much confirmed what went on as far as the coaching staff went. So um, that's always good when that kind of stuff comes out there. Now people will finally 100% believe it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Uh, was there anything – that John Clark did not ask Doug Peterson that you would have liked him to ask? Um, no, not really. I mean, you know, there's certain things that, um, you know, Doug's professional and Doug wants to coach again in this league, so he's not going to napalm uh, the situation because that would look bad to other organizations moving forward. So, uh, he took the high road as expected and basically said he prefers to think about the good times rather than the bad times and uh, what they were able to accomplish in winning the first Super Bowl for this uh, franchise in, in their history. And that's the right tack to take from Doug's perspective because he does want to um, take a year off and come back and be a head coach next season. So um, not next season, but 2022 so um and we'll see what the landscape is at that point so uh, but that's what you have to do you can't just obliterate the owner I, you know he probably wants to but you can't do that no no of course not um so the carson's agent came out and if you can help me with the timeline but he came out and said that carson and doug were not on you know, the best of terms. Is that accurate? Well, uh, I mean, not officially, but yeah, I mean, that was, um, uh, that did come out. It was, there was a couple, and I mentioned at the time, there was that, uh, one story. Um, and I, I really can't even remember, uh, who reported it that they hadn't, um, uh, talked for, I don't know. Uh, like eight weeks, months. yeah. Um, at the end of the season, basically second half of the season. Um, and I, I said, well, that can't be true because I've seen him talking <laughs> on the field and at practice uh, in the minimal time we were allowed to be there uh, in the COVID-19 world. But I actually saw them speaking. Everyone saw them speaking during games. Um, so that was pretty easily uh, disputed. Uh, but it turns out after he got benched um, in December, it was December, I believe, 6th against Green Bay in Green Bay um, when he benched him. And from that point forward, yeah, I don't I don't think uh, the two of them spoke. Uh, it was pretty much a text-only uh, relationship. And as I said at the time as well, that was – that was one-sided. That was all Carson. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't Doug. Yeah, I, I guess you know what I was going to get at um, is if we were able to to figure out if that was just a like an agent type of move to like a PR move to save face with Carson. Like, oh well, this is what's going on. Carson and Doug haven't been getting along either. It's not just. Uh, you know, whatever other rumors were swirling at that time. No, it, well, it, it, it was, you know, really in that dates back 
Carson Wentz's angst with the organization dated back to April in the Jalen Hurts pick. Um, and he said, you know, he he thought that pick showed that they didn't have his back. And I remember saying that night it was a strange pick, and and um, it, it was it was a pick that lacked emotional intelligence, to use a a buzz phrase from Jeffrey Lurie. And turns out um, I was right. <laughs> I mean, he did not like the fact that they took a quarterback, and he never got over it. Um, and I, I see both sides of that because I, I do think it's really, really strange, uh, to do it at that point of, of Carson's career at his age, uh, coming off the contract he gave him. Um, and then I, I understand the other side of the fence and saying, okay, it, you can be upset and you could shake your head and, and do what I said, but at some point you got to get over it. And if you play like you're supposed to play, it's not even an issue. So I, I think there's there's blame to go around on 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 both parts of it. But clearly, um, I, I think that most of the talk was about the fractured relationship between Peterson and Wentz, and it turns out the fracture was between Wentz and the organization, which included Peterson, but everybody else as well. Is there any scenario, and this is like the woulda, coulda, shoulda game, but, and we talked about this right after Doug gets fired and right after Carson, you know, was officially no longer going to be a part of this organization, even unofficially, we, we knew, we saw the writing on the wall. Uh, was there any situation that we can look back to and say, well, if this happened instead of that, Doug is still here, or was that, you know, was Jeffrey Lurie looking for a way to get Doug out of here, really, from the minute Week 17 ended? Well, no, no. The minute Week 17 ended, I, I mean, Doug was coming back. Not, not. Jeffrey made the decision originally uh, that Doug was going to come back. And if Doug acquiesced to Jeffrey's demand to uh, bring in outside voices uh, at the coordinator positions and gotten the approval, he would still be the head coach of this team. Um, and then you go back even further, and <clears throat> let me say this. This has nothing to do with Jalen Hurts, but if Jalen Hurts wasn't drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, I think Doug Peterson is still the coach, and I think Carson Wentz is still the quarterback. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, and, and that makes sense, but just because of that whole dynamic, and it's almost like – and I asked you, is there any situation if Doug is still here from and if Lori wanted him gone from the week from the second week seventeen end it because I, I guess I still can't fully wrap my head around that reasoning as to why Doug isn't here. It just seems so petty as to well, that's the reason why you fire your Super Bowl winning head coach is because of some some disagreements on the the staff around him. It's just crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with it. I've been talking about it for yeah. months, and we long. Be, I've been talking about it since micro. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's it is really strange, and there are, and I think I've said it on your show in the past. Look, there are certain decisions when it comes to an NFL team that owners are going to be involved in. Head coach is one of them. Um, 
quarterback is one of them, to be honest. I, I mean, it's such a high-profile position. Um, they're going to want to, um, you know, give their two cents, so to speak, on, on those types of franchise-changing decisions. Um, and those I can understand. But when you start talking about, like, position coaches, like Carson Walls, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's like, why are you getting involved? Yeah. You know, even second, third round, why Why would you even think to make decrees about that kind of stuff? And evidently, you know, from talking to people over the past number of weeks, it's not the first time. So, I, I mean, it really, you know, and I, I've talked to Philip Daniels in the past and other assistants uh, who haven't gone on record, but, you know, he, he's got way too much influence on, on position coaches. And it, there's no way, and this is not an insult to Jeffrey Lurie, but there's no way he's got the expertise to be making decisions on that kind of stuff. Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. We do this every night at 7.30 on The Fix. Follow John at J.F. McMullen on Twitter, phillyvoice.com, and si.com is where you can find all of John's written work, and you can listen to him every Saturday at 10 a.m. on Extending the Play. John is the host there. Excellent stuff on Saturdays. Um, All right, John, I, I have to switch gears a little bit now because we have to get to wide receiver Marquise Goodwin revert it back to the 49ers and we need to get filled in on this story because it's strange. (laughs) Yeah, it's so strange um, because, I mean, uh, you know, people are asking, what the heck is going on? You rarely see this type of thing and good reason. Uh, uh, The Eagles obviously traded for Marquise Goodwin, which is kind of weird to begin with, but nonetheless, uh, they worked out um, scheduled to make a little bit over $4 million uh, on last year of his deal with San Francisco. Uh, the Eagles reworked uh, uh, the contract. He, he took a pay cut uh, because the Niners didn't want him. Uh, the Eagles wouldn't have wanted him at that number. So anyway, long story short, uh, he, he agrees to a deal where he's getting about $1.35 million plus incentives. Um, and everything's copacetic, and then the pandemic hits. Uh, and it turns out that Marquise Goodwin uh, obviously opted out, never even got to the Novacare complex, never set foot into it, never signed his restructured deal. Um, so it didn't matter because he opted out. Uh, Eagles obviously didn't have to pay him. His contract didn't count. However, he never signed his new contract. He had his old contract, and it told to this season uh, because he opted out. And the Eagles, again, had no interest, so they just decided uh, to revert him back to the 49ers under the old contract, and they get that cap space, which is a little bit over $4 million, uh, and that helped them. Uh, get under the cap. They're finally under the cap as we're um, ready for the new league year tomorrow. So basically they wanted the cap space. He never signed his restructured contract because of the pandemic. Uh, 
they said, all right, we don't want you to sign it. We're just going to revert you back to the 49ers under the old contract, get a little bit more cap space. Uh, really procedural, but really quirky. You rarely see that happen. Well, there's only one pandemic, so you've never <laughs> seen it happen before. So this was really the Eagles doing then, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, they didn't have any interest. Uh, and I remember writing at the time, I said, Marquis Goodwin and, and writing about opt-outs at the time. I mean, you know, obviously, if he's and he was concerned about his family, and understandably so. Um, and I know he had a child who had some health issues. Uh, but I did say the back end of that is he's probably giving up an opportunity because when you do fast forward when it's over, the Eagles probably, gonna, probably aren't going to be interested. He would have been on this team last year. And I said at the time they wouldn't be interested if he sat out a year. Turns out they weren't interested. It's it's crazy. And I just want a confirmation there because at least from what I read, and I could have very easily misinterpreted it online, it just seemed like it was his decision to, you know, go back to the 49ers and, and not play in Philly. But that's not the case. It's the opposite. No, the 49ers are not even uh... – in fact, the 49ers are, are going to release him. He's not going to go play for the 49ers. So um, I don't know um, what Marquise's um, thought process was, um, but the reversal of the contract had nothing to do with his desire. I mean, he want, might want to go back in San Francisco, um, but San Francisco didn't want him uh, last year. So I, I don't know why you would think they would want him this year. Um, so I'm not sure where you read that, but yeah, that really his desire really didn't enter into it. All right, and then another um, tweet that caught everyone's eyes here on Eagles Twitter and throughout the Delaware Valley, and and I don't know what. This is like you need to fill me in again and fill the listeners in again here. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network tweets out the following uh, on less than two hours ago, as this is 7.50 p.m. on Tuesday night. The Eagles have given longtime tight end Zach Ertz, one of the faces of their franchise, permission to seek a trade. Several teams have been engaged. What does that mean? Uh, it just means his agent, who is Steve Carrick, has, now has a little bit more uh, power in the process. I mean, the Eagles have been trying to trade Zach Ertz since the trade deadline um, last year. Um, and um, obviously he got hurt, and that impacted things. He might have actually went to the trade deadline if he didn't get hurt, uh, because once you go to injured reserve, you cannot. Uh, be moved. So that kind of complicated things. And obviously it, it's been known um, from both sides that Zach wants out. As I said numerous times on the show, the Eagles understand that and the Eagles were trying to move them. Um, but they, you know, they don't want to give them away. They don't want to release them. They don't want to not get anything back. Uh, and to this point, they haven't been able to work anything out. So you know, Zach and his camp and, and Steve Carrick had been pushing the Eagles to do something. Uh, so they finally said, threw up their hands and said, okay, Steve, you go find a trade and we'll see how it works out. 
But basically, I mean, it just means that the agent has a little bit more power to, you know, make calls on his own to try to find situations that might want Zach. Uh, and I think the Eagles are kind of saying, we've been doing this, so give it your best shot. Yeah, you try. Um, <laughs> all right, there's – we're talking with John McMullen, our NFL insider – there's so much else happening here, and to wrap up our, our conversation tonight, let's try and touch on some of the biggest news throughout the league in the NFL, John. Um, and you can kind of pick because we have Jacoby Brissett going to Miami, and he's replacing Fitzpatrick, essentially, who's going to Washington. You have Andy Dalton, not Russell Wilson, going to Chicago. Uh, and then a bunch of other news and notes here uh, that occurred throughout the day today. So you can kind of take the lead with all of those stories. Yeah, I think the two most likely um, backup quarterbacks for Jalen Hurts that everybody speculated on were Jacoby Brissett and also Tyrod Taylor, who's gone. He's off the market as well. Mm-hmm. He'll go to Houston. Uh, and then Andy Dalton, you know, People have speculated that. I think, you know, Chicago fans want to <laughs> jump into, you know, they're going to have the green Chicago River on, on St. Patty's Day. Uh, hopefully nobody jumps into it because they were pushing hard to get Russell Wilson and their consolation prize is Andy Dalton. <laughs> Who, you know, I, I've always said I, I think Andy gets too bad of a rap, but I mean, there's a big difference between Russell Wilson and Andy Dalton. Now, I do think Andy Dalton's better than Mitch Trubisky's better than Nick Foles. So they've improved slightly, but boy, that's not what the Chicago fans wanted. No, absolutely not. I mean, is he is he the starter? I guess we don't know with Trubisky. Right, he's a starter. Yeah. Hey, I, I mean, it, the Bears aren't in, in a position to get a big-time rookie quarterback. Um, that was the indication. I mean, they admitted basically today that they were pushing hard, uh, for Russell Wilson. And that was one of the four teams that Russell said, uh, he would go to. And, and the Seahawks have said, no, we're not trading him. Um, and understandably so. So that Avenue was closed. I mean, he's their starting quarterback. I want you- uh, that's, yeah. that's what it is. It's nuts. Um, before I let you go, John, I want your thoughts on the Patriots, um, just because more talk surrounding New England today, and you know some are deeming this off season now, and especially over the past week or so, what they've done and what Bill Belichick has done is just like the greatest thing that we've ever seen in any NFL off season, and. I mean, yeah, they've made a lot of moves, and, it, you know, they get a couple tight ends in now. You bring in Nelson Aguilar. You bring in the Green Goblin. Um, they're certainly busy, and they're certainly spending money. You know, what? just real quick, what's your thoughts on everything New England has done? Well, I think there's two camps. I think there's that camp that you mentioned, and I think um, there's another camp that says – you know, Belichick is panicking because of one bad season and Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl. So you have these two extremes, um, and one, you know, says he's a genius. One says he's an idiot. Um, you know what camp I'm in. I'm, I'm more <laughs> in the genius camp. Uh, but uh, 
you know, uh, you see these contracts, and obviously I've explained this before. When you when you see these contracts break with Schefter or Rappaport, you know, those are given by the agents. So they're talking about the voidable years, and they're not real money. If you look at the real money, the Patriots aren't spending uh, outlandishly for these players. Um, they're just improvements. I, I do think the bigger thing to me, and I mentioned this on Rich's show as well, I do think it's interesting. It's the classic Belichick. When everybody zigs, he zags. Yep. And everybody's playing one way. And I've talked about this before. Spread offense, spread the field. Receivers, RPOs, known option. And he's going back to two tight ends, big offensive line, run the football. And, hey, I I, I think it's smart for this reason. You know, if you got, and I say this all the time, Ryan, in basketball, baseball, whatever, if you got everybody doing the same thing and you got that group thing mentality, what does it boil down to? It boils down to who does it best. So you got a one in 32 chance of winning in the NFL if everybody's doing the same thing. If you go the opposite direction, you know, and those teams are preparing for the 30 other teams, you know, that yeah. 30 of 31, they're preparing to face those teams. And all of a sudden, New England shows up playing a different brand of football. I, I don't think I think it's a smart thing to do. And it's classic Belichick. As I said, Zeke when everybody zags or vice versa. <laughs> Zag when everyone zigs. What, you know? whatever the case may be but i i agree with you man i i think it's um i think it's smart i think he gets another year with cam unless they do something um in the draft or you know coming up in the offseason yeah, i mean i i think they'll try to get a young quarterback they yeah. might draft a quarterback i you know they pay cam you know you heard that that's a perfect example people are talking about look at how much money it was a one-year five million dollar deal with all these incentives he's unlikely to reach you know if they win the super bowl They'll gladly pay him that much money, but right. they don't. He's getting one year and five million. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm with you. I will. I will not knock Bill Belichick, even if it's uh, after a year or two of of the uh, unordinary, which is not winning a Super Bowl. All right, John. I appreciate it, my friend. We're about to get to the top of the hour break. We'll do this again with Johnny Mac tomorrow at seven thirty. Talk to you then, man. All right, thanks, Ryan. Yep, thank you. There he is, Johnny Mack. Great stuff, as always. Yeah, everyone's saying, what? You, they signed Cam? Oh, stupid. No, you're, you're stupid. <laughs> no, you're dumb. I trust Bill Belichick. All right, let's get to the top of the hour. Vison update. Much more. Hour two next. 